Hello and welcome to Confessions of an Aging Ingenue. I am your aging ingenue, Jenny Tooley. So excited to have you here today. We are going to get started here in a minute, but first I want to extend a personal invitation to you to join us in the confessional Wednesday nights, first Wednesday of the month. Check it out at JennyTooley.com. You might even end up in the confessor seat. Okie dokie, here we go. Hey everybody, it's Jenny Tooley. How are you doing? This is episode 16 of Have I Told You About the Time. Um, It's the last week end of October coming up here. If you're listening to this in time, you can actually go online this weekend and watch my first feature film stuck in my private screening room in the Jenny Tooley experience. Yes! Very exciting. That's at JennyTooley.com backslash stuck. You can scroll down and you'll see the instructions on how to do that. Um, Jenny Tooley experience is very exciting. It's new. It's something that I'm experimenting with. Um, Basically, I'm migrating over from Patreon and doing my own thing. So it's a subscription site where I'm collecting all my podcast journals, all my wisdom, wanderings, and work. Uh, we're doing our voice and vote and our coffee clutch over there. And um, there are different tiers to participate. Some of the higher tiers uh, include coaching and consulting. So if you need some coaching on getting unstuck from a creative project, or even in your life. I'm really good at that. Um, Also, uh, there's um, micro-budget indie film consulting. I do that as well. So um, just go and check it out. It's on my website, JennyTooley.com. I'm super excited. It's also a great way to support me so that I can continue doing this work um, and I, you know, don't have to commit to uh, full-time position working for somebody else 40 to 60 hours a week that keeps me um, available to uh, continue to provide podcasts and to um, write and to work on new projects like the new film I'm working on. Um, So yeah, check it out. So today I'm going to hook this one up with the mantra for the week and the mantra for the week was state your fees. Weird mantra, right? But it's something that I needed to be reminded of. So let's just jump right in. Have I told you about the time I did an offer only for an audition? Okay, so if you're not in the business, you may have already been like, what are you talking about? If you're in the business, you may have been saying that too. Because I didn't know what an offer only was until my agent and I had a conversation once when I said, I'm not going on this audition because the cost benefit isn't good enough. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Let's backtrack a little. Um, About, what would it be now? Maybe five years ago, maybe a little longer. I'm about to sneeze. Oh dear, it's coming. Um, Yeah, about five years ago, I had finally come to understand that I'd hit kind of a financial bottom couldn't find a job, or if I did, I was not finding a well-paying job. My, um, I was working on stock. I was raising money for stock. Actually, five years ago, I wouldn't have been. I would have been just about to start doing that. Um, and, uh, 
I was, man, I was just having a really hard time. And I'm still having a hard time in that area, but it's just on the outside. So it's the circumstances that are the hard part. Internally, I have done so much work on this that even though the outside circumstances are not rocking my world right now, um, my insides are a whole lot better. So five years ago, I hit a little bottom on this area and um, it became clear to me, someone had uh, helped me find a 12-step group that focuses on um, under-earning. And I read their little list and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally relate to all these things on their list. Um, and I started to understand that I have spent my entire life as an under-earner, meaning I <clears throat> undervalue my skills and I like to stay small and invisible. Like being visible for me can be very scary. Now, some of you may be very confused right now because I'm an actor, or I have been for 30 years. So how, how can I be small and invisible being an actor? Totally possible. Because as actors, what we do is we put on somebody else's makeup, right? We put on somebody else's character and go out and play them. We aren't them out there. We're playing somebody else. So totally easy to do that. Um, and there's still kind of a way to be able to do red carpets and do all that stuff while still being invisible and small. Um, so I had to kind of figure that part of it out first because it had looked just as I am a truly an introvert, um, I can show up as an extrovert. I know how to do that. Um, I know how to show up in the room and I don't want to say put on the performance, but show up as what I need to be for that particular situation. So if I need to be social, I can be social. If I need to um, be a witness, I can be a witness. I'm a really good chameleon in that way. Um, so just as I was a confused introvert who was really curious as to why I was so exhausted every time I went out to a, a large social function or did a big project and then would have a big, huge crash, I was also an under-earner that was kind of in the same place where I was very visible in many ways, but it would make me sick. Um, or I would also find ways to cover myself so that people couldn't see me or hurt me, right? So I have come from a very, it's becoming clear to me today, actually yesterday, I started to understand just how deep the mindset I had of deprivation was. And I've come to understand it because the last five years, I have totally focused on this. And in the last year, I've done so much energy clearing and so many affirmations and so many inventories and just really work the crap off of what, what I think and how I see myself in the world and how I show up in the world that... I think um, abundance should be flowing and money should be just overflowing in my bank account by now, you know, and it's not. So I got very frustrated about that and um, I started to understand just how deep my, my deprivation mindset had been and that I'm slowly but surely getting out of it and it takes time to get there.
So here we go. We're going to go back to, um, oh my goodness, when would it have been? Um, hmm. I was working at Shakespeare Dallas at the time, and I was in the process of doing stock, I think. So it would have been after 2015, maybe 2016. I, I had started getting really frustrated with auditions. The landscape of auditions has changed now, and the whole landscape of uh, working on film and television and the pay and everything, it's just been in a jumble because of all the streaming websites and everything. It's just thrown, thrown, even the union has, is just, you know, trying to keep up with what's going on and how we get paid, um, what we get paid, what we don't get paid for. And uh, one of the things that's happened in our industry in Texas in particular, so I'm a union member. I became a union member before I moved to New York. Now, I thought it was going to be really cool to be a union member, and there are a lot of things I like about the union, but there are some things that I don't like about the union. Um, when I came back to Texas, those things became very prominent because as a union member, I cannot work on non-union gigs. Texas is a right-to-work state. Um, so anybody can work on, anybody who's not union can work on a non-union or union gig. Anybody who's union, according to the union, can only work on union gigs, but according to the state, I can work on non-union gigs, which means that the union is supposed to allow me to become um, a financial core member uh, so that I can do both, but at the same time, I will be penalized by the union, and I will be blacklisted in union states because I'm working on non-union stuff. Do you see the circular confusion here? <laughs> this is something I have been struggling with for the last few years. Um, so I only go out for union work, and the union, the great thing about the union is we have very specific guidelines and contracts, and the producer's uh, have to follow them in order to be a union production. But what has happened is people are finding their way around this now. And now we have these contracts called um, modified contracts, local contracts, and those aren't really necessarily union. But what will happen is a production company will say, it's a local hire only. So sometimes I'll be called for a gig, not even a gig, I'll be called for an audition to go to Georgia. Okay, so this, this audition is, it's either in Georgia or it's gonna shoot in Georgia and I'm gonna pay somebody to take my audition and send it out there. So right from the very beginning, I am taking money out of my pocket by either having to pay for somebody to take my audition because I don't have that set up at home um, or I'm going to be flying myself out to Georgia to be in front of the casting director. I don't even have the job yet, y'all, right? So um, then there's this piece of it, if I get hired, it's a local hire only, which means I have to have a local address in Georgia, and then it also means that um, they aren't going to cover my travel costs, they're not going to give me a hotel room, they're not going to give me a car. They're not going to give me a per diem. Um, so all they're going to do is pay me a daily rate. 
they're not even going to do the thing where um, it's like, I can't remember what, exactly what it's called in the contract, but it's like continuity of days. So if I have to go to the set on Monday and then I'm off Tuesday and Wednesday and then I have another day on the set on Thursday, um, when you're traveling, the, the contract states that you're going to get paid for all those days because you're literally not able to do any work anywhere else, right? Because you're in Georgia, not at home. <laughs> um, and what they'll do is they'll say, yeah, we're not going to do that either. So you're just going to get paid for Monday and Thursday. Um, well, I, I started really considering these. And it started with this audition I had. This, this is what threw me over the boat. Like, I had an audition in, um, where was it? It was in Georgia. It was in Atlanta. It was for a TV show. It was for casting directors who shot, who uh, cast a lot of television shows. They would do a thing where they would do a modified local hire. So essentially, it's not a purely local hire. They're going to give you $300 to fly out there. Now, come on, you guys. When can you find a flight for $300 right at the last minute? Um, and then they're going to put you in a hotel room. I think that was pretty much what those people would offer consistently. Actors would take this because they're desperate to be on TV shows, right? And good ones. <clears throat> so I was called back for a TV show, and it was a recurring role, which means that it would have, it wasn't a lead role, but it would show up every now and then, right? So it's one of those characters that you see like every other episode. And my agent called me and said, they wanted to see you in Atlanta. And I said, um, okay. I was so broke at the time. Like, this was a huge stretch for me to do this. And she said, look, I, I understand if you say no, I totally get it. Because what other thing that was happening was they weren't giving her any sense of where I was landing on the list. I wasn't the only person being called back. They were, she wasn't getting any feedback. She just knew that they had asked for me to fly out to Georgia. So I decided I'm a gambler. I said yes. And I decided because one of the things I've done in my life is when I have to do something like that, I pair it up with something fun. So I said, okay, I'll make it a mini vacation. Um, I stayed at a, a pretty nice little hotel. I flew out there. I didn't do the day thing. A lot of people fly out there and fly back in a day. No, thank you. I will be crashed for days, right? So um, I went out for maybe, I think, two nights. I flew out there, spent the night, went to my audition the next day, went to the aquarium, I went to the art museum, um, I took myself out to a really nice meal. Um, so it made it worth it. Whether or not I got the role, it didn't matter. I'd had a, you know, a good experience flying out to Georgia. Well, I got myself to that audition, walked in, looked at the other two women that were there. They were both 10 years younger than me at least, and they were both brunettes. And I went, oh, man. <laughs> I walked in the room. I think it was the writer and the casting director that were there. I did my, and maybe a director, I, I did the audition, 
And I could feel it in the room. The writer was like, had that, there's this thing that happens. It's like they hold their breath when something good happens and there's like this lift in the room. The writer had that lift. The casting director was like, yeah, thanks, bye. Yeah, so I was like, okay, and now we're going to go eat some uh, comfort food. Where is that famous burger place? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, needless to say, I didn't get that roll, and I spent $750, right? Yeah. Now, great thing about it, I made it a tiny mini vacation. Good for me. That was it. I will not see that casting director. Even I don't, I don't even care that they are very highly respected and they're famous casting director. I don't care. They did not spend my time and my money well. And my choice in that, I don't get, I don't get to make their choice. I get to make my choice. And my choice is I'm not going to participate in that anymore. If they want to fly me out there, great. You know? Or if they're going to tell me, we're going to see two people and you're absolutely like, I might, I might consider it. So I started doing the five finger death punch, which I've shared before. And, um, basically I asked myself five questions about an audition and then I, I rate the audition, um, as to the cost benefit on it. Cause there was a time in Dallas, I was working as a hostess. I was on food stamps and I was like, I can't afford to go to an audition y'all. <laughs> I can't, literally can't afford this paid hobby I have. Um, so this audition came up and it was for a, um, what was it? What were they doing? Um, an ultra low budget. So that's under $250,000. I get that. I made my movie for 50 and everybody worked for free. So I totally get this. You know, I understand it. Um, <clears throat> now ultra low budget is a hundred dollars a day and, um, then all the travel stuff. Well, I was living in Dallas. This film was going to shoot in Austin. They wanted me to drive to Austin to do an audition, just the pure audition. And I said, hmm. and I did my five finger death punch because it was a local hire. So even if I had gotten the role, I would have paid, gas was pretty high at the time, so I would have paid at least $50 to drive down here for the audition, and if they did a callback, I was going to pay another 50 bucks, right? That didn't include a hotel if I decided I was needed to stay overnight instead of doing the, you know, 12-hour day of misery. Um, and then once I got down here for, if, if I got cast right? So I'm throwing money at something. I'm gambling. I'm throwing money at something I may not even get, get money back out of. But if I did, I was going to have to drive myself back here again. So now we're up to 150 bucks and I was going to have to put myself up in a hotel or stay at somebody's house. It paid a hundred dollars a day and it was one day of work. So no matter what, I was going to be down $50. <laughs> And I came back to my, and I looked at the other, so money isn't the only thing I look at. I look at who is doing the project. Is it a great role? Is it a role I don't usually get to play? Um, uh, what's the writing like? And who's working on it, right? So it was, it was, um, it was hitting under a three. And I bravely called my agent and said, I'm sorry, but I can't do this. 
Now for me to say no prior to, to today caused incredible panic and anxiety in my body. So saying no in the first place was very challenging. But I said no because I was committed to not abandoning myself anymore and standing up for what I knew was right for me. This isn't standing against others. This is standing up for me, right? So she said, okay. Um, and I said, you know, it's a great little, it's a great little script, but I just, I can't do it. She said, let's try something. Let's try offer only. And I went, what? <laughs> I didn't even know this was possible. I've been in this industry for 25 years. I had known that people would ask me to do stuff, but I didn't know that I could be uh, asked to an audition and say no and say I'm offer only. This tells you about my mindset and the actor's mindset, right? This is about the actor's mindset and the under earner's mindset. It never occurred that I had enough value as an, under, as an actor in this industry to ask them to give me an offer instead of me going and putting myself out there and putting myself at risk financially. And I said, okay, let's try that. And I felt really weird about it. Um, and the weekend went by and I've got to tell you, I literally had anxiety about this. What was it going to hurt? But somehow in my head, I thought somebody was going to be mad at me. I was going to get in trouble. Something bad was going to happen because I had done this. And I surely wasn't going to get the job. Even though I'd already said no to the job, I'm still thinking I'm not going to get the job because I said offer only and this is bad, even though I'd already said no. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the weekend goes by. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Okay, I'm, I'm getting over my anxiety. And my agent calls me back and she says, Jenny. And I said, yeah. And she's like, they're offering you the role. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I said, you know what? Um, I love that. Somehow I found the courage and like the stamina within myself to say, can we negotiate something here? I can't afford to drive down there. And I need somewhere to stay. And she's like, yes, I will negotiate that with, you, for, with them. I love my agent. So they negotiated it. And of course, I'm still having anxiety and panic because I'm thinking, oh, they're going to hate me. They're going to like turn me down. They're going to say, we don't want her to have the role anymore because she's asking for too much. Yeah, I'm asking for two nights at a hotel and some gas money. Now... The other side of it, of course, is as an independent film producer, I know when you're working with a tiny, tiny budget, it's hard to come up with that money, and sometimes you can't. So a few days later, she calls me back. She says, all right, it's all good, and I'm thinking this is not possible. Like, something's going to go wrong. When's the other shoe going to drop, y'all? Um, I think a week later, I get a call from the director. Okay, the director calls me on the phone. <laughs> and I'm, I'm now going to tell you what the movie is so that you can go watch it because it's on Amazon and it's great. It's called As Far As the Eye Can See. David Franklin's the director. He calls me on the phone. He says, Jenny, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the role and also wanted to, to thank you so much for doing this. 
okay, my little twisted brain had been sitting there thinking, I have nothing to offer them. They're going to be upset with me because I'm asking for uh, some gas money and a place to stay for two days. And I'm a bad person, blah, blah, blah. And he's sitting there thanking me for being willing to come down to Austin and be in their movie. He then follows it up with, I am a big fan of yours, and so is the producer. And I'm like, what? He, they both love Boyhood, and they both love Bottle Rocket, and they knew my work from other things, and they were really excited that I agreed to come and be in this movie. We talked about the role. We talked about some life experience. It was perfect for where I was at in my life as to what was going on in the, the rest of the movie. I totally understood the movie. He gave me his phone number, and I went down to Austin a few weeks later. <clears throat> they put me up at the hotel, gave me my gas money. Um, I showed up, and I did how many scenes? I did. I had. I showed up, and I was. I, I'm often in this role where I show up throughout a movie without actually being in scenes. So in this movie, the way that happened was I'm in a photograph, and I am the chick that he's obsessing over because he's been he, she's divorced him, and then I show up in like one scene. Um, so it was their last day of shooting, and I got to the set, and we figured out how to do all the photographs post post, <laughs> basically in post, and then um shot the scene all was well uh, a little later in the year the movie comes to uh, Lone Star Film Festival and I went to see it and support them uh, I love going to festivals and supporting however I can and uh, so we went to one of those big gala dinner things and um, we watched the movie and at and I, 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 I literally cried because they gave me my own card. And that means that my name wasn't just in the jumble at the end of, in order of appearance. It was literally, my name had its own card. Um, and it showed up by itself on the screen. And my name is on the poster. Um, and they used me to market uh, a little bit of that film. Um, because I'd been boyhood. <sighs> yeah, what a great lesson, right? I can't see my own value. Because I'm not at the, I'm not an A-list actor or whatever. And I just, it's in my head. I have a thing in my head that doesn't want me to see my worth and my value so it can keep me small and I think it's because it wants to keep me safe too so um I've been working on that I'm getting better with it and I'm retraining my brain uh to know that I am safe in the world and it is okay to be me and it is okay to be big um and I'm so ever grateful to David Franklin <laughs> and Hayden Fallis for casting me in that movie and being willing to negotiate and to like honor me in such a beautiful way. 
And then later, I got to be on um, Peyton's podcast, which is called In and Out of the Arena. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and a bunch of other places, which is a great podcast, y'all. He basically talks to all different, a group of actors about a variety of acting topics. And there are actors from like the theater. Some of them are, most of them are veteran actors. So from the theater, from TV, some of them you'll know, some of them you won't. And they're all brilliant. And I got to be a part of that brilliant group of people and share my experience. And I was really honored. So there you have it. That was the time that I did an offer only for an audition. Love you guys. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm Jenny Tooley, your host. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about today's episode. So please comment, review, follow, subscribe, all those things that keep our podcast thriving. Until next time.